God's beloved people, grace to you and peace from God our Maker and from our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Stories of call are among my favorite in the Bible. I'm drawn to them in part, I think, because they reveal a truth about God that I need to be reminded of over and over again. That in every generation, God moves toward human beings in order to engage us in divine work. It's tempting to believe that discipleship is all about us, about our faithfulness, our choices, our ability to follow. But time and again in these stories, we see that it is God who initiates, God who continuously and mysteriously moves toward us. I love that. And I also love these stories because they are so honest about the variety of responses to God's call. Sarah laughed. Jacob wrestled. Moses expressed concern with his speaking skills. I don't talk so good, God, he said. Samuel was downright confused about who kept waking him up in the middle of the night. Jeremiah insisted that he could not possibly be a prophet because he was just a kid. Zechariah became tongue-tied. Mary moved from bewilderment, how can this be, to consent, let it be. People have responded in so many ways when called by God to participate in God's work in the world. This is what we see in the gospel today. For these next couple weeks, we'll be hearing stories of Jesus calling his companions in ministry, his disciples. Unlike the stories in Hebrew scripture, these are not usually long narratives. They are more like sketches. But they reveal quite a bit, both about Jesus and about those whom he called. Consider Philip in today's reading. We don't know much about him. But we see that when Jesus called him, he followed. He was ready. I don't know why. Maybe he had a backstory with Jesus. The text mentions that he's from the same city as Andrew. So maybe a seed had already been planted in him. For whatever reason, Philip was able to recognize Jesus and see in him the one for whom his people had waited and hoped and longed. However, when he shared his experience with his friend Nathaniel, the response was quite different. We know even less about Nathaniel than we do about Philip, but in the little brush strokes that the gospel writer gives us, there are clues to his identity, to his personality. Nathaniel, we are told, spent time under the fig tree. This may have been, this is a sign of blessing and comfort in Hebrew culture. So Nathaniel may have been an educated person, a person with time to gather with other men to debate and discuss in the shade of the trees. We know that he was familiar with the promised Messiah. We also know that he had some expectations around this. When Philip said that Jesus was from Nazareth, you can almost see Nathaniel's eyebrow arching, can't you? Nazareth was a town of no consequence. No important people had come from there. There were no prophecies related to it. It was considered a backwater. In Nathaniel's mind, nothing good, especially the Son of God, 
could come from a place like Nazareth. We're familiar with this kind of prejudice, aren't we? The way we stereotype people from certain places. We saw a particularly ugly form of it in the news this last week. It was disturbing, the things that were said about Haiti and Africa. But if I'm honest, maybe part of why it's disturbing is that I recognize this habit in myself. The desire to categorize and judge people we don't even know. This desire exists in all of us. Maybe it isn't about country of origin or skin color. Maybe it's about education level or socioeconomic level or the part of town someone lives in or the political party they belong to or the church community they belong to. If we leave this desire to prejudge people unchallenged, it can become toxic. One thing about being a privileged person is that you can remain unchallenged for a very long time. But think of what Nathaniel would have missed if he had remained stuck in his preconceived notions of anyone from Nazareth. He would have missed the Christ standing right there in front of him. But Philip's gentle invitation created an opening for Nathaniel. Philip strikes me as a wise person. He didn't argue with his friend. He didn't try to prove that Jesus was the Messiah. He simply invited Nathaniel to come and see for himself. And what Nathaniel discovered is that he had already been seen. He didn't know Jesus, but Jesus knew him and valued him. Here is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit, Jesus said. How do you know me? Nathaniel responded. He was surprised, perhaps even bewildered. Yet in this encounter, something broke open in him. He was able to let go of things that got in the way of his responding to Jesus. In Jesus' gaze, Nathaniel better understood himself, who he was and what his life was for. The name Nathaniel literally means gift of God. Nathaniel became this gift, a companion to Jesus in his ministry, a disciple, and a friend. This is a common occurrence in these call stories when the light goes on, when we become aware that God sees us, that God knows us. It can change the way we see ourselves. And when we are engaged by God, called by God, it has the power to change the way we see others. No longer are we able to denigrate and dismiss people just out of habit. No longer are we able to sit on the sidelines and indulge our skepticism about God. In Jesus, the reign of God has come near to us. He has moved into our lives and called us to be his body in the world, his companions in sharing the good news of God's love and justice. And he has called us to be companions to one another. Do you notice in both these stories how important other people are in receiving God's call? Samuel would have just been a frustrated insomniac if it weren't for Eli, 
who eventually understood what was going on with that voice in the night. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. He gives Samuel the language to respond. And Nathaniel might still be sitting under some fig tree somewhere, enjoying his life of privilege and detachment, if it had not been for Philip's witness and invitation. We need each other in order to discern God's call, in order to respond in faith. To be seen by God, known by God, loved by God, called by God, it is an awesome thing. The psalmist expresses it beautifully. So I'd like to close with this prayer from Psalm 139. O oh Lord, you have searched us and you know us. You know our sitting down and our rising up. Where can we go from your spirit or flee from your presence? If we take wings of morning and settle at the farthest limit of the sea, even there your hand leads us and your right hand holds us fast. If we say, surely the darkness will cover us, even the darkness is not dark to you, O God. For it was you who formed our inward parts, you who knit us together in our mother's womb. We praise you, for we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, O God. This we know very well. Amen.